Not only are we going to New Hampshire, we're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. We're going to California and Texas and New York. We're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. You are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire. Join the conversation at 402-342-1290 or at 800-577-1290. Once again, direct from the American heartland, here's your host, Sean McGuire. Welcome back to the program. It is an open enrollment beginning next week, and I found a really interesting article I wanted to talk about uh, that. It's on healthinsurance.org, a really good resource if you want to read about it. Uh, prediction, uh, qualified health plan enrollments will swell by 25%. Um, they think that uh, they're talking about what I was uh, visiting with you about earlier in the first segment about the Congressional Budget Office's numbers um, not being exactly where they were expecting them to be. But nevertheless, let's look at five reasons to be optimistic about open enrollment, and then we'll look at, uh, let's see, five reasons not to be so optimistic about it. So We'll cover both sides here, Alan. But number one, and you can talk about this uh, first point, is um, technical and feature improvements. The The tech disaster in 2013 left people um, <laughs> scratching their heads, so to speak. Remember this show you were on when we outperformed healthcare.gov, meaning in one hour of the show, we got more calls than uh, people enrolled on healthcare.gov all across the country the day that it uh, went over went um, yeah because it was only like two or three that we had uh actually get signed up and we had i think seven callers that yeah, show I think like six people signed up and we in the whole, in the whole day yeah the first day and yep those people were probably fake <laughs> anyways <laughs> a much bigger stick is number two. Until now, Department of HHS, um, we're using a carrot approach, using the benefits. But as I alluded to, this penalty from going from 325 to uh, 695 or 2%, 2.5% of your income, the greater of the two, right, is going to, I think, start to have an impact. Yeah, but you know, if you pay, if you're paying twenty thousand dollars for your insurance a year. $695 or 2.5% of your income probably isn't going to persuade too many people one way or the other. Right. That probably should be more than less. Right. Uh, another one is a lot of these grandfathered plans are starting to phase out or you know not, not be as desirable. Because they cost too much. Correct. Number four, loss of employer-sponsored um, insurance. And this is where the Congressional Budget Office thinks that this is a big deal. They did not predict this, but as I can see here, Alan, they're thinking 5 million people will be dropped from employer-sponsored coverage this next year. Uh, well, because they're getting probably getting prepared for the Cadillac tax or... The penalties. And too. the penalties that go along with not having insurance. By the way, if you are an employer, and even <clears throat> if you don't offer health insurance, and um, you still have to file these forms. Yeah. And you have to do one for every single one of your employees, including those that have turned over. And so if you don't have an approach ready for that, um, might want to get, get on that. Yeah, and you probably would want to call E.D. Bellis to do that because we have automated features and automated products that are, allow them to do that for their employees with very little work. I'm going to do my Donald Trump impersonation. Trust me, we got it all covered. That's Trust right. Trust me. We do. 
All right, let's look at, uh, and then finally the final reason is improved outreach and enrollment targeting strategies. Um, again, they're making good use of the uh, millions and millions of dollars buried in the Affordable Care Act to promote um, uh, this law, which is actually in there. Yeah. So definitely taking full advantage of that. Now let's look at some reasons not to be optimistic. Let's see how this goes. Premiums will be going up for many people. Yeah, I believe that. We've been talking about that, and it looks like it's going to be somewhere between 12 to 14 percent in 2016. Uh, here locally, I have the numbers written down. There's going to be a story in the World Herald. If it hasn't come out, it's going to be coming out here soon. Uh, a good friend of mine, Rick Ruggles, their healthcare reporter, wrote about it and gave me a call to, uh, so maybe I'll get a little mention in there. But check it out for information here locally. The numbers weren't weren't uh, very nice, to say the least. But they're going to be going up. Number two, and this is a big one. High deductibles and co-pays are going to be an issue for everyone. Now, if you're under 250% of the federal poverty level and you get a silver plan, you can actually get um, assistance to cover some of your co-pays and deductibles. If you're above that, you don't. What we're finding is these deductibles are starting to be bigger than they were originally. Number one. Number two is it is affecting people's... <laughs> take home income because the deductible of an average plan right now is more money than most Americans have in their savings account. Well, and, and when you think about that, I'm sure the bad debt uh, that these healthcare systems and providers are seeing are going up because you can't meet the deductibles. You can't pay on the bills because your, your plan is covering less and less and you're having to cover more out of pay, uh, out of pocket. So you can afford the insurance, maybe, but can you afford to get sick? I don't know about that. And that's why I think the direct primary care legislation coming down across the country is going to be very important that it will allow you to contract specifically with your doctors and you'll be able to make payments monthly or uh, you'll be able to contract with, for them to pay cash and no insurance. Remember the show Royal Pains on USA Network? Yeah. Hank Med. Yep. Their concierge medicine in the Hamptons. Yep. Pretty pretty good little show. But it was almost futuristic when it came out because that's where everything is going. That's that's right. Yep. That's exactly where we're headed. Direct primary care. Concierge medicine is a little bit different, but they kind of have very similar qualities to them. Here's a, going back to a point that you made here a few minutes ago. Um, on the penalties, the stick might not be big enough. So on the flip side, they're saying what you were saying is maybe 695 uh, isn't enough to get people to want to 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 purchase. Uh, I believe that wholeheartedly. Number four, no more low hanging fruit. Um, all the people that were really really needed it probably have signed up at this point. Yeah, and think about that. They told us there were 30 million uninsured. 30 million uninsured, and there's only been 11 million that have gotten insurance through this. And they're only asking for a hundred thousand. They're only thinking a hundred thousand people are going. That's what they're targeting a hundred thousand this year. So when they talk about that thirty million number, oh, give me a flipping break. Back to the rhetorical question of the day: Was it worth trashing the industry for ten million people? No, because that's exactly what we've done. We could have come up with a better plan uh, just by the health care systems and the health insurance providers working together to probably find something better 
than what came out of Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act, because let's be frank about it. All it was was insurance reform. reform. It wasn't health care reform. All it was was to get people insurance and nothing more. But they trashed the entire industry and have created mergers and acquisitions that are too big to fail because of it. Because that's the only way now that anybody can make any money. Competition, finally, the final reason is competition in, from other forms of coverage. Um, it looks like uh, while they think that these folks are going to be moved from uh, employer sponsor to the exchanges, it doesn't think, I guess it's not happening as much as they thought. Um, but we, we, we shall see. I guess that, that, that final point's kind of a dud. But yeah, but <laughs> you know what? Maybe, maybe with uh, primary, uh, direct primary care, you could probably give some Medicaid dollars to individuals and have them contract with a doctor. And that would probably be cheaper at the end of the day than doing a, a full-blown Medicaid program. You could probably save 20% on that. I think I heard the number if you were to do something like that. Jeez Louise. Which would be nice because we could put that money into education spending. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So anyways, that, that, that's your, uh, that is your uh, thing. I guess there are five good things, five bad things here on Open Enrollment. And now, for your listening purposes, a uh, very fun uh, punk rock uh, interlude uh, bumper song. By the way, this is America's Healthcare Challenge. Alan, when we come back, let's talk some myths about ACA reporting. We've yes. touched on it a little bit. But I've got uh, seven myths plus a few more of my own that you need to know so your business doesn't get penalized. $250 per form. America's Healthcare Challenge. We'll be right back. Yeah. 